Welcome to the Mind Body Breakthroughs Podcast, where we bring you amazing guests on the cutting edge of science, health, and business each week to share strategies you can use to get the breakthrough that you are looking for in your life. I am your host, Chris Donahue, and with me is my co-host, Dr. Nevada Gray. We're so glad that you're joining us today, and we'd like to invite you to join our free private Facebook community, Mind Body Breakthroughs. The views expressed on the Mind Body Breakthroughs podcast are the opinions of the hosts and guests and are not to be taken as medical advice, as the hosts and guests do not provide medical care. Information provided is for educational purposes only. You should consult your medical provider in relation to your personal health and prior to making any changes in your diet or fitness. Dr. Stephen Hussey is a chiropractor and functional medicine practitioner. He attained both his doctorate of chiropractic and master's in human nutrition and functional medicine from the University of Western States in Portland, Oregon. He is the author of two books on health, The Health Evolution, Why Understanding Evolution is the Key to Vibrant Health, and The Heart, Our Most Medically Misunderstood Organ. Dr. Hussey guides clients, or health participants, as he likes to call them, from around the world back to health by using the latest research and health-attaining strategies. In his downtime, he likes to be outdoors, playing sports, reading, writing, and spending time with his wife and their pets. All right, we're back with Dr. Stephen Hussey, America's heart coach, continuing our heart health series. And today we're going to talk about why cancer of the heart is so rare. Doc, explain it to us. What's going on here? Yeah, so this is something that Nevada actually asked me uh, for the first time. I never thought about it before, but immediately when she asked me, I knew the answer, uh, at least the answer uh, from from my research. And so um, I think first that first we need to discuss kind of uh, the metabolic theory of cancer, which has been forth been put forth out by uh, by Thomas C. Fried and was originally um, thought up by Otto Warburg um, back in the 1940s, I believe it was. He actually won the Nobel Prize for it. Or maybe he, maybe it was before that, and he won the Nobel Prize in the 40s. Um, but basically, the um, what's known as the Warburg effect is that um, cancer cells, you know, they rely on anaerobic uh, metabolism. Um, so basically, without oxygen. So the little structures in our cells that that use oxygen to help us, you know, you know, break the chemical bonds in food uh, to make energy for our bodies are the mitochondria. And they rely on the ability to use this oxygen to do this, which is why we breathe in oxygen. That's why it's important for us. Um, however, if these mitochondria lose the ability to utilize oxygen to do this process, then the cell is kind of forced to make a decision. Um, and that decision is either die or become cancerous because short-term cancerous cells survive. They, they, they rapidly divide, uh, and long-term that's not a great solution. It'll eventually kill somebody. 
Um, but short term, the cell survives. So it's kind of like a survival mechanism when the cell is faced with the situation where it can't use oxygen. So I like to, I like to illustrate this um, uh, talking about um, uh, cells like in the fetus, uh, or I guess actually pre-fetus. So like, you know, a sperm and an egg come together, they make a gamete, uh, and that gamete um, uh, implants onto the uh, uterus, and actually even before it implants onto the uterus, um, the, the cell is, is this rapidly dividing cell. So it's a rapidly dividing, undifferentiated, which means it's not any particular type of cell, it's just a cell. Um, and it's anaerobic, meaning, meaning it doesn't use oxygen because there's no blood supply to that cell yet. Uh, and then once it implants onto the uterus, um, it's, it continues to divide and eventually gets a blood supply. Um, uh, and the blood supply is not a direct blood supply like from mom directly, but it's actually it's from her blood supply, but it kind of diffuses over. So there's no contamination of things that could be in mom that can get into the fetus. But either way, the cell gets oxygen or gets access to oxygen. OK, and so once that happens, now these cells become uh, aerobic, meaning they're using oxygen. Um, they are they are differentiated, meaning they start becoming specific types of cells, not just cells. They could become lung cells or heart cells or whatever, skin cells. Um, and uh, they, they have more um, controlled cell division. They're not rapidly dividing anymore. Uh, they only divide when they need to. Okay, so before uh, those cells get oxygen, they sound kind of like cancer. Okay, and after they get oxygen, they sound like normal cells. So then this baby's born and then it, it grows up and it has this life and uh, one day uh, the mitochondria in the cells become damaged enough that um, they can no longer use oxygen and the cell is forced to do this thing, either die or uh, become cancerous, which is rapidly divide. Um, and so rather than die, it always chooses to become, um, to become cancerous. Um, so cancer is the inability of your body or your, your cells to use oxygen. Um, and that becomes, that comes from mitochondrial damage and things that damage mitochondria are free radicals or toxins from our environment. So what things, uh, damage free radicals or what things create free radicals, um, uh, relying on carbohydrates for fuel will do that. Um, toxin exposure from your environment, heavy metals, plastics, things like that. Um, elevated blood sugars will create uh, advanced glycation in products, which will damage, um, which are free radicals that can damage things. And so when those things happen enough and the, and the um, mitochondria are so damaged that they cannot utilize oxygen, we get cancer. Okay, so that's, that's the metabolic theory of cancer uh, that has been, you know, written about a lot in, in the research. And so how does that apply to the heart or why does that not happen in the heart as often, as often as it happens in other places. So if people have listened to other podcasts, they know uh, that um, I believe that the, the uh, majority of heart attacks are caused by when a series of events happens that forces the shift of metabolism away from fatty acids and ketones in the heart to burning predominantly glucose. Um, what do we know about cancer cells? They love glucose. Uh, they run off of that stuff because they can um, they can produce lactic acid um, from that, and they can ferment the lactic acid, which they can use um, to anaerobically, without oxygen, make uh, energy. Okay. So, but there's interesting there's an interesting thing about the heart in that it's 
we've spoken about before how it your body really um it, it prioritizes giving fatty acids and ketones to the heart because uh, it is so important that it burns them and there's a good reason for that because if it's forced to burn glucose bad things happen okay then that bad thing is we get the burning of glucose the buildup of lactic acid the swelling in the heart tissue um, or the prevention of calcium getting into those cells and we get tissue death okay um, so that's not that's not a good thing to happen but the curious thing about it is that since that's what happens if the heart is forced to burn glucose there's no chance for that cell to become damaged enough uh, to become cancerous because it dies before there's any chance for it to become cancer. Uh, and I and I believe that's why heart uh, or heart cancers are so rare. It's because when that specific set of events that happens that would turn a cell cancerous happens in the heart, the heart tissue just dies. Um, whereas other in other places in the body, it becomes cancerous. It it survives a little while longer. That survival mechanism. Um, and, and in the heart, it just dies. And the other interesting thing is that heart cells, um, don't readily divide. They, I've even read that they don't divide at all. They don't reproduce like the heart cells that you have are the ones you're going to have forever. And so that mechanism of cell division is just not very well, um, um, uh, pronounced, I guess in, in the heart cells. So, you know, if, if the heart cells get to a place where the mitochondria is damaged enough because we're burning glucose um, and and in in the rest of the body, it would convert to a cancerous cell to survive a little longer. That doesn't happen in the heart because those cells don't divide; they just die. And so I think that this could be one of the reasons why the heart cells uh, or the heart tissue itself gets priority when it comes to those fatty acids and glucose because it doesn't have this this mechanism. Um, of turning cancerous that would allow the organism to survive a little longer um, to kind of protect it. So, so like, yes, I'm talking about cancer as potentially being protective from, from short-term death, um, uh, whereas in the heart, it's not, it, it can't do that. So there is no protective mechanism. You just, you could die instantly. Um, there's just no chance for any, any tissue in the heart cells to turn cancerous. And the, the incidences of cancer that we do see in the heart, from my understanding, are more connective tissue in nature. They're not heart muscle. They're more like on the periphery of the heart um, uh, in like the, the ligaments and the tendons and the connective tissue. Uh, we get cancers there and that they're extremely rare um, in, in actual myocardial cells themselves. Um, so that's, that's my kind of explanation of why heart cancer is so rare and all has to do with, with um, the, I guess the specific and the um, unique metabolism uh, characteristics of heart tissue. That's so interesting because um, I was reading that cancer of the heart, primary cancer of the heart, is less than 1% in patients. Have you come across anything in the literature that speaks to what would predispose the less than 1% of patients to a primary heart cancer? Is there something they've been exposed to in their environment that increased the risk or um, certain, you know, pre-conditioned um, illnesses? Um, no, the only thing I could think of that would do it um, <clears throat> is if it, maybe there's some specific toxin that seems to be more toxic to the heart cells. Because if we're talking about shifts in metabolism um, or we're talking about like predominantly burning carbohydrates, which, which can result in that mitochondrial damage, 
um, that could that prevents the um, cells from using oxygen and then you know having to revert to being cancerous. Um, that's that's a in that specific set of altered metabolism. Whereas there could be some specific toxin or maybe even um, even some sort of infection um, that that tends to or has a you know maybe like a prevalence for um, uh, heart tissue. Because uh, somehow get in there and damage mitochondria that way without a shift in metabolism. Um, so the heart is still readily burning fatty acids when it can, but there's something else damaging the mitochondria uh, that can force the the heart to become cancerous. And um, we all have, you know, this this you know genetic variation. You know, we're all 99.9% the same, but since we're not being evolutionarily selected for the same environment anymore, we have this genetic variation. And it could be that some people's heart uh, cells are um, just that much more likely to um, uh, divide where they have, because um, most of us, our heart cells really don't divide, um, but there may be some people that they're just a little bit more readily, readily do divide. Um, and those are the ones that are more uh, predisposed to, say, these toxins, because uh, I know that there, um, there definitely has been shown uh, that there's certain... Um, bacterial infections that produce certain endotoxins when they're in there uh, that affect certain tissues more than others. Uh, and we have, you know, all these different chronic infections, whether it's Lyme or, or um, um, various types of viruses uh, that, you know, affect our neurology. So why, you know, it, there could be, there could definitely be certain types of infections that affect specific tissues like the heart tissue uh, or the mitochondria specifically. Um, and so that would be my my guess is that it's not um, it's not metabolic in nature in those cases. It's more of a um, of a toxin. It's not metabolically induced mitochondrial damage. It's toxin induced uh, mitochondrial damage that's driving those cancers. Yeah, it's really interesting. You know, talking about dysregulated energy metabolism underlying uh, cancer and the specific. Uh, design of the heart being protective against that it makes me think about you know i've heard that type of terminology used when it comes to obesity and diabetes that they are really protective and kind of the direction the body went like you're one of the lucky ones if you got fat or you got diabetes and you didn't wind up going straight to cancer and I wonder if maybe you can talk a little bit about that that concept. Yeah, uh, I think that I think that if if something's going wrong in our body, no matter what it is, that evolution for selected for that to happen. Um, and Nadir Ali, um, he he speaks about this as far as high LDL. You know, like we we can't be blaming high DL high LDL for something. Um, like some chronic disease state, because if the body is is creating that when we're eating a keto or a carnivore diet, then that was selected for. Like there's a reason uh, that that's happening. There's a reason that that LDL can go high like that, or that even higher LDL can be protect, protective. And so looking at it from that perspective, which is a really interesting perspective to look at disease from, um, is that you know if your body's doing this, then it's then it's uh, it, it may be protective in a way, but it's it's really it's been selected for. So as far as like obesity and, and diabetes, like it's almost like, I mean, as far as obesity goes, like we're definitely programmed to 
uh, store fat uh, when we eat higher carbohydrate foods because of the spike in insulin. Uh, and But if you look at historically when that was, that was only once a year. The only high-carbohydrate thing, uh, high-carbohydrate things we had around were maybe like tubers, like roots and things, and berries and fruits and things like that, which were only available one time a year. You know, maybe potentially at different times of the year, but usually like, you know, in the in the uh, summer, fall kind of times. Um, and so we would, you know, sometimes we'd have to resort to eating those foods. And, and honestly, I think the mechanism evolved because when our bodies or when humans were when that was the last resort to to resort to eating those foods, we were obviously in a starvation mode. And so your body's thinking like, okay, we're we're in a mode where we're having to resort to eating these high carbohydrate foods. We better store as much as possible because who knows when the next meal is going to come, you know, if we're having to resort to these. And so we do, we store them. Um, and that, and so now when we have these abundant calories around all year round and we're, you know, the only fuel we're, we're using is carbohydrate, then we just gain more and more and more weight. Your body's thinking that, that this is the time when we store that mechanism's there. Um, and so, uh, obesity is, is not this, you know, genetic thing. It's this, that we've all been told that carbohydrates are great for us. We should eat a bunch, even, even type one diabetics like me, we're told eat as many carbs as you want, you know, like even though my disease class is, is basically saying I'm intolerant to them, but, but yeah. And then and as far as diabetes, that could also, that could be like, um, it could be the mechanism that's protecting us from overeating those carbohydrates you, know, you become insulin resistant you start to have these problems that if if I was you know alive uh, back in like hunter gatherer times or whatever, like if those things started to happen in my body, uh, then I would like things would start to go wrong in my body that would not allow me to get away from other threats, and so I would immediately stop doing those things because not getting being able to get away from a threat is 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 a life or death situation at that time. So it's almost like there's an evolved mechanisms to to tell you when enough carbohydrates is enough, even though you may find yourself surrounded by a bunch of blackberry bushes, you know, um, you know, enough is enough. Don't eat too many of these things. Um, and I don't know that I don't know that having obesity and, and diabetes would protect you from other chronic diseases. Obviously, there's people who have both. Um, and, you know, so when people say like, oh, you're lucky you got those things rather than than cancer. Uh, I just think, I, I think that, um, it, I think that your body was more susceptible to those metabolic diseases, like as far as, um, diabetes and, and, uh, and, um, obesity and things like that. But, but the cancer, the metabolic cancer thing is coming, you know, it's just that it hasn't shown up yet. The body hasn't damaged the mitochondria enough yet. The metabolism, the insulin sensitivity, all that's been damaged already. Uh, the, the, um, insulin receptors, um, the carbohydrate intolerance has all happened. And that's going to lead you to the metabolic imbalance that leads to cancer as well. It just hasn't happened yet. So I wouldn't, you're lucky in the sense that your body's giving you a warning now that, that you, that you need to change something. Whereas some people may not gain that weight or get diabetes or anything. And one day they have cancer, like full blown stage four, whatever cancer. And they had no idea until then. So that that could be the lucky side of it, um, but yeah, as far as them being protected from other chronic diseases, I, I'm I don't I'm, I don't think they are. Yeah, I I think that that's so interesting because 
what propelled me to ask that question was I was on rotation as a student nurse at Dana-Farber, and I was seeing cancer of every organ, skin, eye, lip, hand, feet, just every type of cancer known to man, but yet not one patient had cancer of the heart. So I asked one of the attending physicians, how come no patients here have cancer of the heart? And he said, that's a very good question. And then he moved on in the, hmm. the round. And I never had my question answered. So I always wondered that. So thank you so much for answering that question for us today. What are the three take-home points uh, for our listeners today regarding cancer of the heart that they need to know? Um, well, I'll, I'll tell you uh, these three things. And then there's also a really interesting story I want to tell you that I just thought of as you were talking um, about. It, it kind of illustrates the, the robusticity of the heart and how how, um, how resilient it is to, to disease. But um, three take-homes, I think that we have to supply our heart with ketones. Um, you know, studies show that it prefers fatty acids and that even in the presence of glucose, which, which, which drives metabolic dysfunction, that the heart will choose ketones. Um, and it, it will do that, you know, even if we're not on a ketogenic diet, it will get the fatty acids and the ketones first. But if we're supplying, if we have a readily, ready, uh, um, uh, readily supply our body with ketones, that's just less likely for anything bad to happen in the heart. So, so, you know, learn how to be in ketosis, um, and get your body into that state, at least be metabolically flexible. And then we also touched a little bit on how um, how toxins or maybe uh, bacterial infections and things, these chronic infections, can um, can affect the heart or specific tissues in general. So, you know, learn about your environment uh, that you're in and the toxins you're exposed to every single day, and and get rid of the toxins that you can that you can, uh, and don't stress out about the ones that you can't. Um, you know, learn look into your your food and your water and your air and your cleaning products and your uh, cosmetics and make sure you're using the least toxic ones as possible. Um, and then um, I think that if, even if we're, even if we're not on a, a ketogenic diet or we're not looking at toxins, uh, we can, we can prevent the, at least in our heart anyways, we can prevent a metabolic disaster, I would call it um, from happening in the heart if we control our stress response. Um, and so that's, you know, the take home of, of most of my podcasts with you guys is like control your stress response, learn about your heart rate variability, find your baseline heart rate variability, learn what you can do to improve it. Um, so that you can, you can be sure that even if those other two imbalances are, are present, that they never become relevant because, because you you've controlled your stress response. And, and then, like I said, I want to share this story. So I was, I, I went on a podcast with, with, uh, Ira Cummins, um, who's the fat emperor, he calls us with the fat emperor. And he, uh, it was actually about, you know, the heart and cancer as well. And, and he sent me something later after the podcast, that was a story about these two men in Japan who were working at like some kind of nuclear plant or something, and they're working with radiation and they had, there was this accident and they both got extreme radiation exposure. And unfortunately they, they, they did both die. And and the story of what happened to them after the radiation exposure and how their bodies basically just, you know, one thing after another went wrong. And it was, it was kind of gruesome and, and not 
a good story. But at the end of it, when, when they did finally die, when they did autopsies on them, it seemed like the only tissue that wasn't affected was the heart tissue. Mm. So for some reason, the, the tissue there is extremely um, uh, resilient to even outside toxin exposure, even something like radiation. Like they show these images where they took DNA samples of these men and, and you know, it was in, it was like, it was shattered into like hundreds of pieces. Their DNA was yet the heart was fine. Um, and it's just, that's just crazy to me. Like it, this organ is that important, I guess, that the body has these safety mechanisms to, that not even this intense radiation was able to affect it. And I think that plays that, that in itself could explain why the heart doesn't get cancer as often. Um, unless maybe there's some genetic predisposure that some people have, but, um, but yeah, like there's just something about it. And, and I hope that research tells us what it is, um, one day, but, but right now we don't have it. All we have is these observations. Awesome. Well, doc, I think that, uh, that gives us a lot to, to think about. The heart is truly majestic and, you know, it's very empowering to know that there's ways that we can take care of it, give it proper fuel, and uh, just support it with our overall lifestyle and reducing stress and everything else. So for the uh, for those that might be new to us, where can these guys find you? So my website is resourceyourhealth.com, uh, and that's where I run my health coaching. So if people want to work with me, um, they can uh, find me there. Uh, my book is on there and uh, my blog. And then I'm on social media on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook at Dr. Stephen Hussey, Dr. Stephen Hussey. That's awesome. Thank you so much for another great episode. We look forward to more of them in our Heart Health series with you. And our listeners appreciate it as well. Thanks, guys. I really appreciate it. Thanks, Doc. Proud affiliate of Redmond Real Salt, the best tasting and most mineral rich salt on the market without the microplastics and other issues of conventional salts. See the show notes for 15% off your order. Thank you so much for listening to our podcast today, Mind Body Breakthrough. Chris and I truly appreciate each and every one of you. Be sure to subscribe and tell a friend and to join us in our free Mind Body Breakthrough Facebook community where you can start peeling away the layers of everything that's not you so you can be you.